I just want to throw out three major points that we have endeavored to establish uh, in our lives about God. And if we could grasp this, you, does anybody know the strength of Abraham's faith and the strength of the patriarchs? Anybody know? The Bible says two things. God said what would happen. And then number two, it was impossible for him to lie. That was the steadfastness, the unsurrendering attitude of the patriarchs as well as Abraham himself. He gave them two unchangeable things. Number one, if God said it, take it to the bank. Number two, God does not lie. So the first thing that we want to understand is that all prayer, somebody say all prayer, is based upon God's will. If you pray God's will, what happens? He does what? He hears us. Somebody say he hears us. Now, if we know he hears us, then we know he, we have the petitions that we have asked him. So number one, as long as you pray God's will, well, how do I know what God's will is? There's 66 books of the Bible that explain it. Even in the law in Deuteronomy, it says that my law unveils my will for my people. And so we have to understand the first thing we want to do is pray the word. The Bible says that God gives us his word, which is a sword of the spirit, and then we are commanded to take it and pray for all saints. So we should always have the word in our mouth, and it should always be the track, the guidance, the mechanism whereby we put our faith in. Number two, is that God is not a respect of persons. He doesn't love one more than another. But he does show his love more to one than he does another. Because Jesus said this, if you keep my commandments, you will love my father and my father will love you. Disobedient Christians cannot expect to experience the inheritance and the blessing that love brings when they continue to walk in sin or disobedience. So that's pretty simple. So we know that if we ask anything according to his will, he does what? Hears us. Number two, he's not a respect of persons. And then number three, we have got to protect your mind. The devil is after the way you think, the way you perceive God's response to your faith. And so you can be double-minded. James 1, 5 down through 8 all talks about us being single-minded and that when tribulation comes, why does it come? Because faith has been set in motion. But we count it all joy because we recognize it only showed up to get us off track. So the devil must know that where we're headed 
we are going to succeed. That's why it's a token. It is a medallion to show us that we have already accomplished our fact. Listen, when the devil comes after you, realize under his accusations is, I know that you will succeed if I don't get you to change your mind. So we have to be aggressive against vain imaginations, everything that exalts itself against God. Take control of your thoughts. Don't believe what you see. Believe what you know. Amen? All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to just open up in the area of what prayer has impacted you with as we've been talking about it and teaching about it on Sunday mornings and any questions that you have about prayer. So, who has any questions? Phyllis, do you have a microphone? You can help me. Go up there and get another one. Here comes Kylan. Where would you be without a man? Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, what, first of all, how do you think prayer has helped you in what we've been teaching or some of the experiences that you have had in prayer. Now, I've heard lots through the congregation, lots through people that have texted me and so forth about how, you know, they've just been rejuvenated back to prayer. And that's what we've been doing on Sunday mornings, not really teaching on prayer, but encouraging people to pray, to pray. And uh, so if you have any questions about prayer, or have a statement how prayer has changed out of the book that we've been uh, studying or out of the uh, messages on Sunday morning, please raise your hand let us see or answer questions. Who's got a question about prayer? Man, good deal. That's just what we need. Hallelujah. A great informed audience. Hallelujah. Praise God. What? Yeah, good. just helped me to see prayer differently like how important our prayers are to intercede for others um you know when you talked about i think sunday pastor about um mercy for judgment and and interceding and standing in the gap for people who don't may not have people praying for them or you know people we work with or strangers that we pass down the street i find myself more when i'm driving and i see someone walking and recognizing that when um, I have a thought of someone. It's God laying that person on my heart for me to intercede in that moment. And so it's, it's stirred me, and it's made me see it differently. Good deal. Hallelujah. One thing, somebody asked me uh, the other day, said, well, man, how in the world can I pray all the time and stuff? I said, well, number one, we are led by the Holy Ghost. We do understand we use our brains for other things than just places that God runs things through. But, you know, prayer is made up of not only asking, petitioning, requests, interceding, but it is also made up of praise, of thanksgiving, of confession, or to make a confession, or a proclamation. 
And so sometimes what we think prayer is, we have to stop and pray. No, the Bible says when you stand praying. So evidently you can stand praying. And uh, so whenever a thought comes to you, like Bob, if, if uh, Wayne's uh, comes to you, what you can do is say, you know what, God, I want to thank you that today you're leading and guiding Wayne. That God, you're directing his path. That God, his thoughts are becoming your thoughts. That God, his ways are going to be your ways today. And then you can move on unless God comes back and arrests you. So that's how easy it is to pray. You say, well, would God hear that? Well, was that God's will? Well, if it was God's will, then why would he not hear you? Right? And so, uh, you know, we, I don't know that Daniel got up in the window and ripped his clothes and wailed and yelled and screamed. I think he may have just bowed his head in a humble way and prayed. And so I'm sure that he prayed while he was in the lion's den. I don't know that he was praying, hey, God, don't let these lions eat me. But he did see angels there. So he may have been praying, Father, I thank you. That God, before I got here, you had already sent deliverance by the hand of your angels. I want to thank you, Father, that, God, you care about me, that you watched over me. I want to thank you, God, that, Father, out of this, you're going to bring me to a place that I'll be able to speak to a nation. That, God, you're going to fill my words with words that will transform the way that the king that I serve thinks. I want to thank you, God, that you are going to use this for your glory. I would say that's probably how Daniel addressed prayer. Was he prayerless in the lion's den? Well, of course not. Who could see angels shutting up lion's mouths and not be thankful? Amen. He wasn't saying, oh, Jesus, let them angels keep their grips. Don't let them lions break free. There was no fear of that. So there would have been a confession of thanksgiving and of praise and a declaration of what God had done, a declaration of what God had in store for Daniel being there through faithfulness and what God was going to use his faithfulness for. I thank you, God, that you are with the faithful and that, God, you reward the faithful. God, I thank you. Your eyes are upon me as they have been upon me from the breaking forth of my mother's womb. I thank you, God, that even now I'm right in the midst of your will. I'm sure that Daniel may have taken a nap, but I'm sure that the prayer of thankfulness and gratitude was probably a primary thing. That when the king came over and said, hey, Daniel, are you? Daniel didn't have to say, oh, man, hey, King, give me a couple minutes, man. You got any coffee? No, I don't think that. Daniel responded immediately. Why? Because Daniel was praying in the middle of his crisis, even though the answer out of his crisis had already been sent. His deliverance was secured. So... We can do those things when we're praying for people. We use confession. Prayer is not always just asking. You know, if, if you make a statement about God, then what does God do? If you speak God's word 
in the middle of your situation, what does God do? He upholds his word. If you say, look, man, I know things are tough, but I'll tell you what, we're going to come through this. You really don't have to pray anymore. What you've done is we're going to come through this because God said no weapon formed us is going to prosper. God said he would bring us through the fire. God said he would raise up a standard when the flood comes in. We are going through this. And you say, well, that's not a prayer. Well, in actuality, it is. Because you've spoken the word and put God into remembrance of a part of his covenant. That is, as it were, a place of declaration laying out. And some people say, well, command God. Well, anytime that you make a declaration or speak God's word, God is already coveted to respond. So really it's not that I'm going to command God. When you say something, God has already commanded himself to fulfill it. So I'd be kind of leery about saying, well, I think I'm just going to command God to do. Why don't you just speak what God said about you? And you know what? He'll watch over that word and bring it to pass. Amen? All righty. Ray. Hi. Uh, I have a question. Um, the Bible says a fervent, the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. And fervent to me means passionate, intense. So as a man, I'm not always passionate and intense in my prayer. And uh, sometimes I am, though, but, and sometimes it's out of brokenness. So um, I, guess, I, guess my, I guess that for the series, what has done for me is reconnected me with a more passionate and intense prayer. And so I wanted to say that, and I, I don't know if there's any consequence in that other than it, it, you know, it, it, uh, it has taken me to a different level of prayer. Let's, let's, let's think about this. There are different types of prayers through prayers, intercessions, supplications. Supplication is like a legal term. It means that you're going to present a case that is going to be flawless against another case that's going to be presented against you. And so if I was going to pray about something, I mean, really pray about I mean, if I, if I really wanted an answer. Now, realize the body of Christ overall, not, not, I'm not talking about just this church. Overall, expect no answer from God. Now, I'm just telling you, the greatest declaration of faith of the body of Christ is when they pray over their food and say, amen, and act like it's so. But every other place, they don't act like it's so. It's only the food that gets us to act like that. But what if we acted like that when we prayed and we just went out and did it? Well, that's really what prayer is. When you pray, count it done. All right? So, but when it talks about supplications, it talks about laying out a strategic presentation. Lay out a declaration or a presentation of what you want from God. And say, God, you told me that whatsoever I desire, when I prayed that you would give it to me. Now, Father, I know that what I'm about to ask you 
may not be spiritual in its nature. But God, you do provide houses for the sparrows, food for the sparrows, and clothing for the lilies. So, Father, I know that you are willing and waiting to do things for me naturally as well as spiritually. And so, Father, I want to present my case of my family. That, God, we need a boat. Oh, well, God's not. I don't know. He might be in the boats. He had Noah build him one. So, and Jesus borrowed them. I mean, he must have been familiar and might have been kind of fancy boats. But anyway, they probably prayed for fishing boats, all kinds of stuff. And so you prayed for a fishing boat. Because God, you know, I, I just want to be able to spend time with my, my kids and so forth. And uh, I remember one time, Quentin and I was walking uh, to uh, Bob Fissel's pond from the car. And he said, Papa, we need us a bass boat. I said, do you really think we need a bass boat? He said, you know what? I think we do need a bass boat. And I said, you know what, Quentin? I think we need a bass boat so we could spend time together. He said, me too, and catch fish. So that tells you not much came out of Bob's pond. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. And uh, so we just went on. Now, I believe that Quentin was spiritually stirred by God to create a basis of me spending time with my grandkids. Now, you may say, well, God's not interested in that. Okay. But I was walking through an airport. It was Chicago Airport. And uh, I'd looked at one of these uh, cheap country papers. You know, they sell everything. Pigs, used wives. I mean, you can buy anything. In it. And, and, and so, but there was a boat in there in St. Mary's. And the price was uh, $5,600. And for some reason, I just kept drawing around that, drawing that, until it just broke through, and I just stuck it in my pocket. I was in Chicago Airport, and I got this phone call. They said, uh, hey, Brother Dosik. I said, yeah, man, what, what are you doing? He said, well, you know what? I was just sitting around, and the Lord told me to call you, and I want to send you some money. I said, well, that must have been God. I'm just kidding. I'm, I mean, I'm just making fun. And he said, well, God told me he'd give you $10,000. I said, "Ain't no. I said, absolutely not. Look, we're friends. I do not want that kind of money from you. He said, well, I know God told me to give it to you. He said, how much will you take? And I said, how about $7,500? He said, okay. He said, I'll send it to your house. I said, all right, thank you. And so I thought, well, that was unusual. And I stand there and stuck my, and I thought, what is it? I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy a bass boat. I bought the bass boat, never seen the bass boat. Craig Albright bought the bass boat for me and came in and told Phyllis, hey, Pastor bought a bass boat. That was a real nice greeting when I got back. What are you doing, 
<clears throat> and then I told her, somebody gave me, called me and told me they gave me this. And so I believe that Quentin urged that. And lo and behold, I got a bass boat. Now, you may not think that that's important. Well, that's fine. But my grandkids know how to fish. My grandkids can catch one fish and catch a hundred fish by catching one fish. I've taught them that. And so I've taken them fishing to all types of different places. I've taken Quentin to Florida to catch a 60-some inch black-tipped shark. And uh, before that, I took him to North Carolina, South Carolina. The kid just could not catch a five-pound bass. I took, took him to Oki, uh, what is it? Okeechobee. Okeechobee. And, and I, I bent over like this and fell right into the lake. And Quentin said, well, why'd you do that, Papa? I said, well, it wasn't planned, dumb. Help me up. <laughs> so I got up out of the water. But I have lots of great memories with my grandkids in that boat. And so, you know, I would make a petition. God, this is why I want the boat. This is why I think I need the boat. I don't think, God, that it's being heaped upon my lust. I don't want a 50-footer. I just want something that's going to be conducive for me. And uh, then I sold that boat, bought kayaks, because we wanted to start fishing different places. So, you know, those things are things that we do all the time together. Now, so I would lay out a petition of why I wanted something and why I thought it, it would be a benefit so I wouldn't heap it upon my lust. I wouldn't want two boats. I just need one. And so you can lay out a petition. When you believe that you could present your case sufficient enough to give you confidence that your conscience could say, this was done right, then you could present it to God. And I actually knew a man that did that with his family, and uh, they prayed for a boat. They prayed for a fishing boat, an all-around boat, and they got two. And the guy said, God, what are you doing? He said, well, I wouldn't fish out of a family boat. I'd fish out of a bass boat. Then I used the family boat for family. He said, you can't do everything out of one boat. Now, see, normal people don't think like that. God's not normal. So, Ray, I think that we become earnest, we become passionate and emphatic, and we write it down, and we commit ourselves to keep our mind stayed on God heard me. And then just let it run its course. Let it run its course. No matter how long it takes, let it run its course. I wanted, for years, I was a, a you know, I wanted a, I love old cars. And uh, not the, I don't like junk cars, I like old cars. You know, the restored kind. And uh, I was in the Philippines. And a guy came to the compound, knocked on the door, so they let him in. He come in and said, hey, Pastor, uh, I want to give you something. I said, uh, 
well, have you checked with your wife and everything? He said, yes, we're in total agreement. I said, uh, well, okay, let's pray over it. I didn't ask him what it was. So he uh, said, I, I brought it with me. I said, okay. So I thought he's going out to the car. Well, he opens the gate, and he drives in the car. 1967 Fastback Mustang, restored. Now, who gives that kind of car away in the Philippines? A man that wants to bless a man of God. Just that's, And I thought, well, now, God, why, why are you doing this? Well, because I want to do that. I said, oh, okay. And Phyllis will tell you I'm notorious for thinking things into reality. I tell her, oh, I'm just thinking. Don't start thinking. One day on Christmas Eve, I was looking at this gun. It was a, uh, now i got to think what kind of, Mark 7, heavy barrel, varmint gun. It had a thumb stock on it. It had a multicolored stock. And I was looking at it, and Phyllis said, she leans over the couch. It sounds just like the devil. You ain't got no money for that. And I said, did I ask you for money? She said, well, I'm just letting you know you ain't got none. I said, okay. So remember, we're coming to church in the spirit of unity. So we come to church. I'm out there in that foyer. That's true. Some guy comes up to me and says, hey, pastor, have you been thinking about a Ruger Mark 7 bull barrel varmint rifle? I said, yeah. He said, well, I was headed to church, and I have one in the box, brand new. Now, I collect guns. All of my guns have uh, scopes on them or set up and all that kind of stuff. But this one I've had for a couple of years set in my closet. And the Lord said, the reason you haven't put a scope on that is because it doesn't belong to you. Give it to Pastor Dosak tonight for a Christmas gift. So he said that right in front of Phyllis. So I looked at Phyllis and said, Phyllis said no, Jesus said yes. So, you even think about things when you walk with God, things happen. Yeah, that's true. So, I think that we ought to be very aggressive. Don't cave in. Don't ever back out. Back up. Don't try to explain yourself. Don't try to make excuses. It's not your faith. It's the other person's faith that's working. You know that thing that Jesse went through year, a couple years ago about the airplane? Why does it matter if he gets a big airplane or not? Well, I don't think that's God. Well, if it's not God, then he won't get it. Why, did, why do you come up and become judge and criticizer? Just because he has faith bigger than you. You aren't walking with him. He is walking with God and God's walking with him. If he is out of bounds... Well, he's deceiving people. Well, if God cannot control the people that he put money in their hands to, then they're going to be suckered by the gambling casino. 
they're going to go broke over here at Fuji's buying a whole bunch of trinket junk pieces. They're, they're going to, they ain't going to have their money for a week. I don't even clutter my mind with what I think a man should have or what he shouldn't have. None of my business. He belongs to another shepherd. Amen. So why is it up to me to determine what's right or wrong because he's got a bigger mind than I have. Hmm? Most of us are living by faith in our own little world. And if it gets outside of our world, then it's not God. No, you being in your little world might not be God. You just live for God. And don't criticize anybody else. Don't judge anybody else. Because you don't know their motives or their purposes. You, you don't know. So why do we turn and take every opportunity to destroy somebody's faith or their expectation of it? Why would we do that? It's not worth your time. Don't do it. Amen? Hurry up, fellas. Come on. Phyllis, you are looking mighty nice tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you, folks. Pastor, I'd like to ask you concerning the spiritual gifts, the nine gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, in connection with um, prayer and being able to know when we battle the powers and principalities and those we do do not know that do not have a face. Now... Repeat that last part. That you want to know about the spiritual gifts when we're praying. The spiritual gifts that are in operation due to the fact that we're Holy Spirit filled. And because faith worketh by love. And he's our first love. Right. When things are happening and powers and principalities are warring. And say we're praying. Or we get up and we're in this warfare. Right. It's an opportunity for the gifts to be yes, gifts in action. May, gifts may be active. And that activated. is faith. Right. For it has you. to be faith in him. Faith yes. worketh by love. But you have to have certain gifts and have enough faith in the Holy Spirit and the Father through the Son that line up in order to be able to know the strategies of the devil because he's strong, he's, he's evil. That's what yeah, I'm saying. That's for sure. So we can't combat him. We have to let the Lord God Almighty in and through us combat him, right? Yes. By the gifts the in gifts. operation by the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, which is Christ's righteousness. Right. Through prayer, those gifts become active. Yes. So that we can be reminded or have a word of knowledge about something that's happening, a discerning of spirits, or any of that. Those gifts certainly help us pray distinctly or directive towards a purpose that God wants us to. Yes. Yes. And faith doesn't always have to be moving in order for it to be engaged. It has to be engaged, but it doesn't always have to be doing something. Amen. All it right. can Pray, then wait, be still, and know that he's God. In God's perfect timing. Because when we wait on God, 
then when the Spirit moves us, right. we're moved and by the Word of God. And then when we're moved by the Word of God. But if we're not moved by the Word of God, we can keep silent. Yes, God of, does move it's us. It's the fruit of patience. And yes, and that's where we stand fast after we've prayed. Then we, through patience, let it have its complete work that we are entire and lacking nothing. Yes, absolutely. So the gifts do function when we pray. Oh, all right. Pastor, several years ago, God showed me something. I believe it was God showed me something in prayer. And he showed me, I feel that he said that he gave man authority when he gave Adam the authority. And Adam, of course, gave it to Satan. But he sent Jesus down as man and took that authority back, which he gave to the body of Christ. And God showed me that when we see people in need, God can't always come in and just fix things because his hands are tied by his own word that he gave us the authority. But with us being human and us being spiritual, we're spirit man, we have the authority to stand in the gap and invite him in. And many things he can't do because nobody's inviting him in to do it. Is that correct? Yeah, we are the, the connection. We've all heard, you know, we are the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, and so forth. Think of this where it says, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Now, the Catholic Church would say, well, that means that whosoever sins you forgive. Well, you can forgive people if they sin against you. But if they transgress against God, that is between them and God. And you cannot grant forgiveness of that. But what you can do is you can release them from the punishment of a transgression. Like sickness or disease, the devil might say, you know what, I have a right to do that. But you could say, I'm stepping in here because God told me if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. This man has asked me to do so, now I have a right to break this. And so that, in what you're talking about there, is absolutely right. So we, we can free people from certain dimensions of the curse and things of that nature. But we cannot forgive a man's sins that he's committed against God. Okay? All right. Yes, Mark. Well, actually, I just feel like sharing something as a word of encouragement to somebody else that may be in a hopeless situation right now. As you know, what we've been through in the last year, it was extremely difficult. But what we found in prayer is that when you stand on what God says, it doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the results say. It doesn't matter what anyone says in what kind of authority they have if they're a doctor or whatever we stood in prayer and declared what God said over and over and over and over we put it in front of us like the word says have the word before you we had it plastered all over walls she has a flip card that she to this day still quotes the word of God over her life 
So I know that, and I'm thankful for this church and the word that you teach because we've been here 35 years. You're, whether you know it or not, you're building an arsenal within yourself to be able to declare what God's put in you because faith comes by hearing yeah. and hearing by the word of God. But I found out more importantly about that hearing part is that I think it was, might have been Bagwell teaching that, or, or Jesse was teaching about when you speak and you hear yourself speak, you're hearing with your, well, when other people hear you speak, they hear with their ears. But when you hear yourself speak, you hear with your inner ear, which is connected to your spirit. So when we declare the word of God over and over and over, over any situation, our faith is being built astronomically by faith coming by hearing you speak your own words out of your mouth and going back into your spirit, man. And we know, because as a family, you know, there were times, you know, when, you know, the reports were never good. You know, they're coming in the room telling us this and telling us that. Afterwards, you know, we don't just pray random prayers. We pray what the Word said. We declare what He said. And, and a lot of times, you know, because of the condition she was in, she, her faith would be wavering. But, you know, when people leave the room, I'd sit there and speak the Word to her. What, I said, it doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter what the facts are. Doesn't matter what the results are. This is the truth. There's only one truth, and this is the truth. And you could see her faith just come up in her like a well, you know. So I just I don't know. I just feel like somebody needs to be encouraged tonight. That you know, I haven't arrived, but I'm going to tell you something. When you go through something like that, and you really have to depend on God, you know that the word is the truth. <laughs> And you know what? Doesn't matter what the devil does, God's word's always going to trump it, no matter what. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, back to If I don't catch it, you just have to yell. There's nothing more powerful in the worlds that be and the kingdoms that exist except the word of God. Have you ever had to perform an exorcism? Well, yeah, I do it in lots of churches. Yes. Well, remember in DeGraff? I'm yep. talking about the one, the exorcism, where it actually happened. I'm talking about something like that. <laughs> where it actually happened. All right. In DeGraff, yeah. remember? Yeah, Phyllis. The show. The show. Do you remember that one in DeGraff, where what you saw in that movie on the exorcist happened in my kitchen? I'm talking about this kid vomiting across the room, it hitting it, taking it across and running across my counter and going down the drain. I could tell you dozens and dozens and dozens of exorcists. Uh, who's been with me in another country? Carl? How many times we see devils cast out? Listen, I've seen seven men carrying a three-year-old kid they couldn't control. Finally, I just got tired of him and walked back. I said, look, just throw him down. They said, well, he's, man, he's your weekend. I said, well, you ain't doing too good of a job now. Threw him down. I said, listen, look at me. Come out of him. He was delivered. I've seen kids in the Philippines brought, 25 years old, shackled in chains. Listen, the devil is not the problem. All we have to do is use our faith. The devil is not a problem. We think he's a problem. He's not a problem. 
He is defeated. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me. Now go. And so we understand that. And Phyllis and I have done, cast out devils of people. They've come to our houses. We've had it in the homes. We've had it all over the place. Do I believe in devils? Well, if you believe in God, you'd be an idiot not to. Honey, there's uh... Yes, Bob. Okay. This is more of a comment out of the book. Maybe you can elaborate on it. It says here, there will be many times when the opposition from the enemy to the things you are praying for seems as monumental and, and, and movable as a mountain. When that happens, speak grace to that spiritual mountain. If you are in a place where you can, shout grace. Say, Lord, I shout grace to that mountain. Right. Grace is what? what the Bible tells us in Acts, this is the word of grace. The whole Bible is the word of God's grace towards man. So anytime you see a mountain, immovable, that nothing's bowing, it seems like everything's getting worse, you start decreeing the grace of God. You start decreeing what God said to decree. She's wrapping it up to say, you know, Zerubbabel shout grace to the mountain. But it's the same thing as speaking the promise because it is the word of grace. So when you speak that, when things are building up, look, you just keep declaring because God's not going to fail. You decree a thing, and it'll come to pass. Okay. All righty. You're getting her attention. Yeah. Who else was it that needs? Anybody else? All right. We're going to go. Hallelujah. Look, let me tell you the greatest thing that you can do. Don't, take, don't pray prayers if you're going for a specific thing for your own personal life. Or if somebody asks you to join them to pray about something. Don't pray about it without writing down what you believe took place. The Bible says that what we believe, we speak. And you cannot remember verbatim what you believe from day to day unless you've been into it for a long time. So every pray you, prayer you pray, write it down. God, this is what I believe happened on this day. And then you fight the fight. Don't pray anything that you're not willing to fight for. You will just build on the inside of you a failure mechanism. And that's, that is one of the big problems of tithing and giving. People don't expect nothing. They have a failure mechanism in them. And you have to break that if you're ever going to start receiving. So when you pray, don't pray anything that you're not willing to fight for and see to come to pass. Just don't, don't waste. Don't hurt yourself. Don't cripple your faith. Don't wound your conscience. Just don't do it. But when you pray something, know that you are in a fight. Not with God. God has heard you and he has sent the answer. 
But you are in a fight with your mind, with your senses, and with the devil. But never with God. Never with God. God has never been my adversary. Never. And so, we learn about prayer, and uh, we'll get on to another subject next week. And uh, I think we're going to do this book thing uh, again. Hallelujah. All right, let's stand our feet and let's dismiss. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all the things that you have done for us. God, even before we had need of things, you provided the answer. God, there's nothing in our life, in our future, in our families, God, that you have not provided an answer for. God, you're the God that hears, and you're the God that answers. You did for Jesus, and you do it for us. For you love us as you have loved him. And we thank you for this gracious opportunity to pray and to receive in 